Welcome to Grow With The Flow podcast with your friend and host, Itzy. Here, we inspire each other to grow, grow professionally in our career aspirations, and grow personally with our life, relationships, and confidence, all while rolling with the punches, embracing the chaos, and growing with the flow. Happy April, happy spring. This is literally my favorite time of the year, and it's not because it's the season I was born in. Well, maybe, but honestly, many new beginnings are just blossoming, like our wedding, which is nine days away. I can't believe it. It literally hasn't hit me. Like, how? I can't believe it's finally here. Um, If you follow me on Instagram, you have been along for the long journey, but it's almost here. We can't wait. And as some of you may know, I recently launched my 12-week one-on-one coaching program. It was created to empower you to step into your fullest potential on and offline and designed to help you grow your personal life and business goals whether you're a creative a content creator or a digital entrepreneur i wanted to help you get unstuck in order to succeed in business in self-confidence and just life in general so if you feel like this is your time for that transformation and self-investment Fill out the questionnaire in the show notes or in my Instagram link in bio to schedule a clarity call with me. I really can't wait to hear about your personal stories and all of your goals. And on that note, I was inspired to create this program because of some of the women on my podcast that I look up to, including our lovely guest today, Erica Cruz. Erica is a self-discovery expert, founder of Purpose Driven Latina, and a TikTok partner. She helps the Latinx community align with their purpose and find fulfillment through mindset and mindfulness. After eight years in the tech industry, Erica has turned her side hustle into her main hustle, all thanks to TikTok. As the proud daughter of Mexican immigrants, Erica is aware of the lack of resources that were available to her growing up. For this reason, she is on a mission to connect others with the tools and resources to kill it. Her content on TikTok focuses on bringing people back to themselves so they can align with their deeper purpose, gain confidence, and dream big. And that is very much what today's episode is all about. So let's get right to it. Hi, Erica. Welcome to Grow With The Flow podcast. I am such a fan of yours. I feel like I followed you on TikTok very early on. And it's just been a pleasure to see you grow and just, you know, quit your nine to five and just your purpose has been really inspiring. So I'm really excited for our listeners to get to know you a little better. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I didn't realize that you were following me on TikTok from the early days. So you've really seen the evolution. Um, I was so honored to share the stage with you whenever we were in that clubhouse room. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to learn everything about her. So I'm just so excited that we get to speak today. It's funny how you can pick up energy from people's just voice and how the way that they talk. And I think that's why clubhouse is so successful. Agreed. Yeah. And it's just like no filter, right? You're, you're, and I think we're getting to this place where we no longer want like quote unquote perfection, which is probably why TikTok has done so well, because it's all about just authentic and real and nothing has to be perfect there as well as Clubhouse. So those two platforms are really doing well. Yeah, totally agree. And I think that's why I feel like I found my forte through podcasting as well, because you can keep it way more vulnerable and unfiltered. But anyway, before we dive in, tell us how you're currently growing with the flow. I love this question. I absolutely love it. And the way that I am currently growing with the flow is by having a beginner's mind. I think we get into this space where we kind of feel like, oh, I already know that. Like, what's the next thing? But the truth is there's always something to learn. And being a new business owner, a new entrepreneur, a new person to doing this full time, there is so much to learn. 
And I have really had to take a step back and rather than say, okay, I'm, I'm confident. I know everything. I've had to take a step back and be like, what can I learn and how can I improve what I'm currently doing? So I have moved back into my childhood room. It's what allowed me to leave my nine to five and launch this business. So I am really just struggling with like, how do I manage my time and how can I create the successful business that's like impactful that generates income, but it also generates impact because I believe those two things go hand in hand. So I'm really growing with the flow by constantly allowing myself to learn this new world of entrepreneurship. That's amazing. I think that you said something that really resonated with me. I I heard actually in a clubhouse room that like, you know, when we're babies and when we're growing up, we're just so eager to learn. We're so curious, we're absorbing everything. And then as we get older, like we just adjust and we, we kind of fake it till you make it rather than just take a step back. So it's really even just saying that you've been in your childhood home and, you know, kind of going back to your younger self, that's something that I've been dealing with a lot. So I'm really excited to just get into it and dive a little bit deeper about how you're actually growing with it. So let's get right into it. One of the things that you share through your content and storytelling is your experience as a first generation woman. I'd love to know just how, if it does drive what you do and how you show up on your platform. It definitely drives what I do. And the reason that I, at first I talked about, you know, or I help, I help women. And then I, I, I changed it to, I help the Latinx community. And then the more I got to speak to more people, I was like, no, my stuff is really targeted at first gen, because I feel like regardless of where your parents came from, you as a first generation individual are kind of stuck between these two different cultures and two different expectations and two different languages and almost two different countries. And it's a very unique experience to this group of people. And I grew up with friends that were Indian American, Filipino American, and we are all more alike than we are different. And I I really do think that there's, there's not enough resources for people that are first gen, because your parents didn't like go to college. You normally if your parents didn't go to college, how are they going to help you with like your college application? And your parents maybe never worked in the corporate world. How are you supposed to know like how to even dress or what like the, what the norms are in the workplace if you're the first person in your family to do that? So I think the first generation community experiences a lot of things for the first time without the support that we need. And one of the things that I've really... I've always been into like wellness and that's how I got into, I got into yoga. Yoga got me into mindfulness. But one of the things that I did recognize throughout my whole journey and my whole career is I was always the only person that looked like me in the room. And that was just complete bullshit. And I was like, what, what in the, how did I end up here? And it was not an easy journey, but how did I end up here? And how can I get more people to be in these rooms? And that has really shaped what type of content I create. I pretty much create content that I wish or things that I would tell my younger self, like what does younger Erica need to hear? And if she needs to hear it, then chances are a bunch of other people need to hear it as well, whether they are Latinx or not. I feel like it resonates with a lot of first gen. That's incredible. I definitely think that's why I resonated with your content so early on. This is what I was missing, right? I was missing that that gap that isn't often represented in the media. I was missing, and the way that you tie the mindfulness, I think as like Latinas or just women of color, it's like mindfulness and like yoga and all of that. It's unobtainable. It's very westernized, which is crazy because it was really started by, you know, people of color. And it's just, yeah. I just really like how you how you kind of bridge that gap. My follow-up question though, you mentioned our parents not helping us with our applications, not knowing how to even dress. And I think with that comes assimilation, right? And there's so many barriers that get in the way. I'd love to hear about some of the ways that you're breaking those barriers that oftentimes children of immigrant parents face. So it was very obvious when I landed my first job out of college, I worked in the tech industry and it was Oracle, a really big tech company. I worked in the sales department. I was maybe like one of three people that were people of color. And I got hired with hundreds of people. So I remember like, okay, everybody is wearing very professional clothes. And I didn't like one, have the budget to go have like, to go buy high-end clothes. 
And two, I didn't really, you know, know what was appropriate and what wasn't. Like I just went for what was nice. And for a long time, I assimilated. I began to assimilate. I began to shop where my colleagues shopped and I began to do all these things. And oh, the biggest thing was I straightened my hair every day. And if you've been following me on TikTok, you know, my hair is very curly. And at the time it wasn't, it was so, so damaged. So I think, forget what I was going to say about the clothes. Let's pay attention to the hair. (laughs) I think I tried to assimilate for so long by straightening my hair because I felt like it wasn't professional if it was going to be messy and poofy. And like, I felt like my hair represented a lot of, it was exotic and out there. And I'm sitting there like, trying to fit in. I didn't even know what my job was when I first started because nobody in my family had worked in tech. And fast forward a few years, actually after I got into yoga and mindfulness, and I really just recognized how disconnected I was for myself. Not only was I disconnected from my colleagues in my workplace, but like beginning to assimilate disconnected me from myself. And I will never forget the day that I was like, I'm going to chop all the damage off for my hair and I'm going to let it be curly. And I'm going to make it my, make myself wear it for curly for an entire month. And I hated it because it wasn't healthy yet. It wasn't, I didn't know what to do with it. It was just kind of messy, but I forced myself to do it. And a few months later, um, I kind of started figuring out my hair and I just felt so much more connected to who I was. It felt like the authentic me. And at that moment, it actually lined up with my job as well. I started to do a lot of things that I was good at. Things like creating content, doing voiceovers, creating videos for the company. While before I was just trying to do what I thought people wanted me to do instead of fostering my own strengths. And then I'll I'll never forget the first time I wore hoops to work. And I was like, yeah, this is me. And then I would wear like red lipstick or a bold lipstick. And I'm like, okay, like they, they, if they hired me, they want me here. Right. And like, they, I need to come as my true authentic self. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I of course resonate with that so much. I'm still working in corporate. So I do find myself toning myself down, speaking a little bit softer and showing up just as professional as I can. But I think having your own business and having your own platform really allows you to like showcase what sets you apart and then building that community that's going to like uplift you and like support you no matter what you look like. That is really powerful. You really empowered a lot of women, I think, through sharing your self-love journey. And I think this is part of it. This might be um, tied in. But tell us how you have really built that confidence on and offline and how you try not to focus on the haters on social media and just be yourself. Self-love, just like self-discovery and just like purpose, all of it is a journey, right? We never get to a place when we're done working on it. And with self-love, I think the reason that it's something that we have to keep working at is because we're only going to age. We're only going to get older, right? So like if our definition of love is something that's physical, that's not sustainable. We're going to, we're going to run out of looks. It's going to happen to everyone, you know, and I also think, you know, as we go through different life changes, you know, if we become parents, we are suddenly not going to have that much time on our hands for our self-care and that type of stuff. And then our bodies are going to change like all, all of these different factors, because if we're not growing and changing, we're dying. Like if you look at a tree, it's constantly evolving. And the same is with us, right? We're always, there's always going to be new changes in our life and if we can't learn to love ourselves at the core for who we are, then we've already pretty much lost. And it's something that we have to keep fostering. So the way that I was able to cultivate self-love and confidence, it was definitely not easy. And it was definitely a journey and I'm definitely still on it. But I think the moment that I began to embrace my naturally curly hair and then Funny enough, it was the one thing I tried to hide for so long and uh, that and my eyebrows because I got made fun of so much at school because I had hairy eyebrows. I had a unibrow. <laughs> and your Which, eyebrows are flawless and now they're in. <laughs> and now it's like, yeah, like people want my eyebrows and like, it's better to have too much hair than not enough because then you can like shape them or whatever. So yeah. it's funny that these are the two things I was the most self-conscious of. And um, also my boobs. I hated my boob size. I was like an A cup. I think I'm like a B cup now or something like that. 
And I've always been more into fitness. So like my boobs are the first thing to go, right? Like if I start gaining weight, then like, oh, here, I kind of have boobs, but like, then they go. So there's a lot of that type of stuff that I was like, in, that I was fighting insecurities about. But then there was also, you mentioned imposter syndrome. Like I, I always believed I was the stupid one in my family because my brother was really book smart and just naturally good at school and things like that. So I had insecurities from like a physical level, from like a competence level. I felt like I wasn't as smart as the people around me. I felt like I didn't deserve to be where I was. And I think things really began to change when I started to practice mindfulness and really be, because mindfulness makes you pay attention to the present moment, which then makes you pay attention to what's actually going on. And when I began to shine light on, because a lot of times we have these insecurities, but we don't say them to ourselves, like not really, they're almost subconscious thoughts. So when you can bring awareness and shine light onto those things, then it, it kind of takes their power away because what then happens is you can actually challenge it. So for example, okay, is it true that I'm not smart? Like, um, not really. I went to a great school. I got hired at all these places. And even if I didn't have those accomplishments, like I've been able to figure things out. I know that I'm street smart. And, you know, I really had to change my definition of like, what is intelligent? What is smart? And I'll tell you that, like, I try to not be the smartest person in the room, but I do try to be like the hardest working person in the room. So I think what really happened was I began to switch my mindset from like worrying about a bunch of things that were out of my control. And I started to really focus on what I could control. So that was things like, okay, mindfulness. And when I say mindfulness, I don't only mean meditation. I mean like going for a walk journaling. Those are actually my two favorite ways to like practice mindfulness, going for a walk and journaling. And then sometimes I meditate, but it's a work in progress. So that would be one thing. And then another thing would be, okay, there's all these other things that I can't control. So why am I worried about those other things? Like the things that I can control are working out. Like I can feel strong and I can feel good. And then that will also help with my confidence level. But like unless I want to go get a boob job, there's not much I can do about the size of my boobs. So why don't we go find clothes that's going to look good on my boobs? Kind of things like that. And, you know, I think a lot of it also just came with age. I kind of got to this point where this is such a long response. You can cut me off. No, it's great. (laughs) (laughs) So when I was 25, I was in a relationship and it was kind of like the, the perfect relationship on paper my family loved him. My cousins loved him. I think he probably got along better with my family than like I did. I was more of the outsider. And we ended up getting engaged when we were on a trip. And I remember like, why am I remember feeling, why am I not happy? And this is all going to come back to the this is all going to come back to your question. But this is like, I feel like this experience was when things really switched for me. So I'm going to tell you the story great person, um, like great intentions. I wish I could tell you that he was an asshole, but that's not the truth. He was like an angel. He was a great person, but I just didn't feel like it was the right relationship for me. And I didn't feel like it was the right time. So I ended up calling off the engagement and cause I said, yes, cause I'm an idiot. <laughs> I was like, you know, in what the moment. You you're yeah. like in another country, like we had just gotten there. So fast forward a month later, I was having migraines. I was just physically sick. I was so stressed out because I was like, what do I do? Like, this is a good person. Like maybe I give it a shot. And then I would like, you know, like that internal dialogue that we have in our head. And then it's like the other part of me is like giving, like slapping me in the face saying, are you kidding me? This is somebody's life. You can't marry them to see what's going to happen. Like if you're not (laughs) sure, you're not sure. So just like having this dialogue inside of my mind. And I, I was 25 at this time, a month later, I ended up telling him, I can't do this. It was a sunny day in summer on a Sunday. Never saw him again. I gave him the ring back and he left. And it was one of the hardest things that I've ever done. And it was one of the, it was the best decision that I've ever made because for the first time I said, forget what everyone else thinks. I have to follow my intuition and I have to do what I think is right. And that experience is what really kicked off 
me really getting into yoga, I became a yoga instructor. That's when I really started looking more into self-discovery. And that's when I I began my own self-discovery journey. And I feel like it was through that, that I started to really learn about, and I kind of got into spirituality as well. And I had been very removed from like anything religion for a long time because of my experience in college. And when I learned like how religion was used anyways. Yeah. So I feel like that really was what helped me gain confidence and what helped me on my self-love journey. When I decided to do the things that I wanted instead of what other people wanted for me. And it was really difficult and it wasn't fun at the beginning because people think you're freaking crazy. Like when I told my mom I was going to leave my my job to do what I'm doing now, she was like, "No, I don't think that's a good idea at all. Like can't you just do it on the side?" And the truth is that like your vision is for you, not for other people. And like yeah. a lot of times we get really discouraged when people around us don't see our vision, but it's not their job to see our vision. It's our job to make it a reality. So like you're wearing glasses and I have prescription glasses. If we were to switch glasses, we would not be able to see each other's, like we wouldn't be able to see through each other's glasses. And that's kind of what like our life's vision is like as well. So it's really important to follow what it is that you feel called to do, not what others feel called for you to do. Yes. Oh my gosh. That was beautiful. I just need to like process all of that. (laughs) That was like such a powerful story. And I, I mean, at 25 to do that, I feel like that's really courageous because most people like feel like generations in the past would just be like, yeah, like you said, I'll make it work. It'll be fine. We'll figure it out. And you're not happy. And it like clicked. And I feel like it was a, it was just a kind of like a, an epiphany. And we don't often get that. And we often don't get that support. So you really have to believe in yourself and trust yourself. But you mentioned trusting yourself. And I feel like that's something that's really hard, especially with me, that's so indecisive. Like you quit your job. You called up an engagement. How do you kind of get to that point other than self-love? Like what are some steps that you take to feel, whether it's mentally or some steps financially to feel like you're ready to really take that pivot and just take that risk? Yeah. So there's no guarantees, right? Like, but just as much as there's no guarantees, like things work out. I think sometimes we you know what, to what I would recommend, I would recommend playing out scenarios in your head and think about the worst scenario and think about if I was in that situation, what would I do? And usually it's actually not that bad. We almost make it to be worse in our heads than it actually is. So let's say that I would have quit my job and I didn't make any money. Yes, I had some savings, but this is why I moved to my mom's, right? This is why I moved back home. So you you're, you can really mitigate risks, but you can't mitigate all risk. But let's just say that I ran out of savings, I moved back to my mom's, or I learned that it wasn't something that I wanted to do. I'd go apply for a job. Yeah, That's it. Yeah. Like it, it's actually not that bad. But I will tell you, if that would have been the route, I probably would have learned so much, not only about myself, but of what I enjoy doing through that experience. And I think that taking action is always the answer because action is what leads to clarity. But not only does it lead to clarity, it also leads to confidence. We don't become confident by thinking. We could become confident by doing. And even if you do something and it feels like a quote unquote waste of time, it's not. Because I can tell you that the eight years I spent in tech Is it what I'm doing now? No, not at all. But without that experience, there's no way I'd be running a company right now. Yeah. Or like Kat, for example, Kat del Carmen, we, she was talking about how like her past experience was, she was selling education. And I was like, isn't it funny? And we were like messaging back and forth. And I was like, isn't it funny that our corporate jobs have literally been preparing us for what we are doing right now, even though it's Mm -hmm. not the exact same thing, the skills are transferable. So. I would say to recap on that, I would say play out the scenarios and really come up with your action plan. Like if this happens, this is going to be my action plan. If this happens, this is going to be my action plan. And that is going to take a ton of stress. So like, okay, if all fails, here's what's going to happen. And a lot of people will tell you, don't have a plan B, like make your plan A work. And I totally get that perspective, but it's not about giving up on your dream. It's more about like, how can you pivot to make it happen? I think oftentimes we're thinking 
that the worst that's going to happen is just going to be inconvenient for us. And life is about being inconvenient. So it's, it's just taking that pressure off. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you had also asked, I totally skipped over this part, but you asked about how do I handle like social media? Like, yeah, like you kind of went viral out of nowhere. Well, not out of nowhere, but it was built up and it's like overnight sensation a little bit. How do you deal with like the hate or just the pressure to keep up with everything? Yeah, I have a rule that says the moment something goes viral, like if I have a video that hits a million views, I have no business looking in the comments anymore. Because when something then becomes viral, people that aren't your target audience are then commenting. Like people that just like, they're going to take your your content out of context. That was a lot of, that was kind of confusing. <laughs> yeah, they're going to take what your video or whatever out of context. They're not going to understand Like, it's really important to identify who it is that you're serving and their opinion matters. No one else does. Because if people aren't going to pay money for your services or hire you to work with them, who cares about what their opinion is? And the reason that I don't look at comments whenever something goes viral is because that doesn't mean it's not going to affect us, right? Like I I just said, don't care. But like, we all care because we are all human. We all are wired for connection. So I just try to ensure that I am speaking directly to my target audience. And when somebody comments, I just have to kind of remind myself, like this person is not who I'm serving. Yeah. I remember my first and only viral video on TikTok. It was like me doing like a nightstand and it got like 1.5 million views right away. And people were like hating, like they were just hating. And I was, and I wasn't used to it, right. Coming from Instagram where it's like very perfect and I was just taking everything so personally, responding to everyone, trying to make them happy and like going along with their jokes. And I was like, this is a not fun. So that's a really good, a really good rule to just not look at the comments because the people that resonated with, with it will take it. And the ones that don't will just leave it and then move on until they see the next TikTok. But on that note, with Instagram being like so perfect, and I know you recently talked about this, or at least like a while ago about perfectionism and showing up because when I first started on TikTok, there wasn't many people on there. I was just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks and really having fun with it. And now, right, there's rooms on it on Clubhouse, there's Insta and there's TikTok coaches like yourself, that there's like a right and a wrong way to do it. And like, I've gotten so caught up in strategizing that I'm not really having fun with it. What advice would you give to someone like that? And how do you take away the perfectionism from creating content? Yeah, that's such a good question. And everyone is striving for perfectionism at some level. Nobody wants to go half-ass things on purpose. We all want to be quote-unquote perfect, but I think it's also important to step back and ask what is perfect because what might be perfect for you is probably not perfect for me. Like if we talk about like our ideal meal, our ideal guy, we're going to have differences. So perfectionism is something that is subjective. It's somebody's opinion. It's not a fact. It's not real. So when you think about perfectionism, be like, okay, perfectionism in whose eyes? Because you had a viral nightstand video and some people loved it and probably went to go recreate it. And then you have other people hating on maybe the angle or the paint that you used or whatever. I don't know what what people were commenting, but like people are going to find ways to criticize. But like There's a quote by Aristotle that says, oh, I'm going to totally butcher it because I can't remember it right now. But like pretty much the only way to avoid criticism is to say and do nothing. That's pretty much what the quote says. And I feel like with perfectionism, we are fearing at the core of it. Perfectionism is fear, fear of not being good enough, fear of disappointing other people, fear of not being good enough for other people, fear of not pleasing other people. So when you think about it from that perspective. So when you think about what perfectionism is and you recognize, okay, it's fear of not being good enough. Perfectionism is different or perfect is different to different people. There's no way you can make everybody happy. The best thing is make yourself happy. And I would say that if you aren't having fun making videos, your videos aren't going to do well because you're not having fun making them. And there's times when I have to take breaks. I'm currently on a TikTok break. I haven't posted something in a few days. I don't have anything saved in my drafts ready to go. I normally (laughs) try to because I wasn't feeling it. And the thing is like, I could force it and put videos out there if they're not going to be valuable and impactful because I'm not having fun making them, then like, what's the point? So 
I would really say if you're struggling with, with that, I would take a step back and I would ask yourself, like, who do I want? Who, who am I making videos for? Like, who is that person? And maybe it's the younger you. And what is it that I want to, to share with them? And really just go back to the basics because when you have fun making videos, one, it doesn't matter how they do, but typically that goes in hand with when you're having fun making videos, they tend to do much better because mm-hmm. people are just smart now. Consumers know when something is super authentic. Like when you see an ad, you know, it's an ad right away. You don't even have to like, right? Like we, we're yeah. just, we're so good. We're such good consumers now that we can't cheat people anymore. So it's like, what got you doing this in the first place? Like what, what inspired you to like really get into fashion and then share it with other people? And I would even say, share your story because stories are really impactful and they create a lot. Stories can change, create change. And like more than anything, create connection. I think like we need to hear more people's stories. So like maybe how you started becoming a blogger, how you started your podcast, maybe some tips regarding like how to still be cute during the pandemic. I don't know how to like ease back into like wearing clothes. I mean, we're wearing clothes, but you know what I mean? Going out (laughs) clothes, regular clothes. Yeah, I know. I started with no goal in mind and now everyone's like, what's your goal? And it's just like, well, do I have to have one? Because I, now it feels like, oh, I need to monetize it. Now I need to like, right. So I think that gets a little bit it becomes a little bit of pressure. So just learning to have fun with it again and speak to like your expertise always. Yeah. You don't have to monetize it. I mean, it would be nice if you did, right? Yeah. You don't have to. But what I would say is even if you didn't identify the the purpose or the reason behind it, there's probably something there, right? Like what was it that got you into fashion? Like what does fashion do for you? it's a creative outlet. Probably it's a form of expression. It's, um, yeah, like I'm sure you can think of so many like deep reasons that Mm -hmm. just aren't normally that you don't normally talk to other people about, but if you share that, and I think when you share your story and you start to see how many people connect to your story, that reignites a spark in you to create. Yeah. Yeah. And that brings me back to what you first started talking about Latina women, first gen women, and then your coaching program called Purpose Driven Latina, what really like sparked that initiative in you? And how did you really find your purpose? Was it through TikTok? Is it something that you always had in mind? So Purpose Driven Latina came about, the name came about because I was struggling to find my quote unquote purpose for the whole eight years that I was in tech. I felt like I tried a bunch of different things. So I actually started off as a food blogger. And then when that didn't work out, that's when I went to yoga and then did the mindfulness thing. So, and the the way that I like to think about purpose-driven Latina, most people come to the program because they want to like find their purpose. Honestly, it is, it's a self-discovery program. Like we learn more about who are you? What do you, what do you want um, out of life? Like, what is it that you value. We, it's really a journey of getting to know yourself because the truth is we can't find our purpose or align. I, well, I don't think it's about finding it. I think our purpose is already within us. It's more about like, how do we align with it? And you can't do that if you're disconnected from yourself, if you're constantly living for other people, if you're worried about family expectations or societal expectations, then you're not going to be able to connect with what your calling is. And the truth is we all have our own unique abilities because we are all here. We're all meant to do something amazing, but different than everyone else. Yet we look at other people's journeys and we're like, oh, I should be doing that or I should be doing that. So back to your question. Um, the reason Purpose Driven Latina came about is because it was pretty much the program that I wish I would have had five, six years ago. And it is the program that consolidates my entire journey into 12 weeks. So I like really did reflecting and I was like, what helped me get to where I am today? And what have I learned from mentors, from books, from courses, from like people that I've worked with that have helped me get to where I am now. And I put that all into a course and like a lot of people or a coaching program, most people leave and they're like, I feel so connected to myself. Like, even if I don't know what my thing is, I know that I'm ready. Like I have the tools that I need to get there. 
And the truth is, if somebody would have told me you're going to start something called Purpose Driven Latina five years ago, I wouldn't have been ready for it. It would have been a horrible program because at that moment, I didn't even do the work that I needed to do in order to be able to facilitate a coaching program like this. So I think the main thing is sometimes we become a little bit impatient when we're looking for our purpose. Then I'll have, most people are like, okay, I have clarity, but there's another group of people that leave and they're not like, I know exactly what my thing is, but they leave with something else. They leave with fulfillment. Like they start to feel fulfilled. They start to feel confident that they're on the correct journey. And the reason that it's called purpose driven is because it, it it's pretty much like we're driven by something that actually has intention and purpose behind it. And you can still be purpose driven and work like a nine to five for somebody else. I guess for me, I'm wondering a little bit more of like, because you said you're still kind of a work in progress. You're still figuring out yourself throughout your journey, your self-love and your self-discovery. How did you finally say like, this is right for me. This is, this is what I'm going to do. Because even if you're not fully there, you're, you're not fully self-discovered. How am I going to teach other people to discover themselves? Yeah, it's such a good question. So I, the, I, it wasn't like, this is it. And I think we all want that magic moment when we're like, oh, I found it. Here it was in front of me the whole time. Like, no, that's not how it was. It was like one step at a time. I, it was 2020. So it gave me a lot of time to be at home. And I took a meditation course. I did like a virtual meditation retreat. I had just like a lot of time to be with myself. And that's when I was like, I don't want to be in this tech job forever. Because good ideas don't come from chaos. If you're constantly stressed, you're not going to have good ideas. Mm, that's so a good I one. That's going to be the name of this episode. <laughs> good ideas oh, don't come from it. chaos. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I think that 2020 really focused, forced me to be in stillness. And I joined a group coaching program where I was a student. And I was like, oh my gosh, this layout makes so much sense. I could teach people this and that. And that's when the ideas kind of started coming to me. And I didn't know what I was going to name it yet. That actually kind of came to me pretty quickly. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. So I would say that it was something I would take little steps towards. And then I was like, is anybody going to sign up? I don't know if anybody's going to sign up. And then when you asked if TikTok had anything to do with this. On TikTok, I began to create content I actually cared about. And I had never allowed myself to do that before because I only created content based on what I thought people wanted to see. And I knew that I was into mindfulness, but I was like, who cares about mindfulness? Like I, because everybody that teaches mindfulness is like an old white man and they don't make it (laughs) fun or exciting. And I was like, wait, mindfulness is pretty much in everything. If you're not mindful, you can't orgasm. It's literally in everything. Mindful eating, for example, being mindful in relationships. So it kind of plays a role in every area of our lives. And once I started to look at it from that perspective, and I think the, that's when the meditations and the meditation retreats, like the virtual ones I did helped me realize that part about, about mindfulness so on TikTok, I then begin, began to create content I actually cared about. And suddenly my audience grew from pretty much no followers to like 40,000 followers. And I was like, this is crazy. What am I going to do with these people? I'm trying to leave my tech job. This kind of makes sense. Like people want more of this. I pretty much built my business because of the followers I had on TikTok. Okay. So I promoted the group coaching program there. And that's how they were able to, to apply and sign up. Yeah. So it really was baby steps to get you full circle. I don't know if you know my friend Rosalind Davis. Um, she, I had a podcast episode with her. She's a clarity coach. I feel like you two would get along because we talk a lot about mindfulness and just, she's also an entrepreneur. So she's amazing. I'll have to put you in touch, but you do share a lot about mindfulness and it seems crazy to me that you still prioritize it with such a chaotic life, with everything that we're going through with creating content and now running your own business. Tell us the specifics. How do you actually like schedule out time for mindfulness or how does that appear in your everyday life? Routine and morning and evening routine, because it's funny whenever you are working a nine to five job and you're doing a side hustle, you have no choice but to do your side hustle when you have time. 
When you become an entrepreneur, it's almost like too much freedom. There's no structure. You think, oh, I have more time. I'm going to be more productive. It doesn't happen that way. It's like, I have all this time. And then you end up being productive like this amount, because at the beginning, you just lack structure. It's just how that works. And that is something that I'm still working towards, but it's getting better and better. Luckily, I read this, a few of the self-help books that I read were about habits. So I learned about habits about when I was 25 or 26, like right after I called off that engagement. And I had been working on habits for quite a while. So I feel like that is what has allowed me to keep my sanity. But there was a point where I was living in, in Mexico in 2020. I was working my nine to five job. I was launching the first group of Purpose Driven Latina and they were renovating the house that I was at in Mexico. So I had to work with, deal with workers. I had to deal with my day job, enrollment calls. It was crazy. And I remember I was speaking to my coach at that time and he was like, if you didn't have like all of your routines in place for, you know, the morning, if you didn't practice your mindfulness and your journaling, then you would be losing it right now. And I was like, well, I kind of feel like I'm losing it, but it was definitely those practices that kept me in place and not, didn't allow me to fall apart. So in the morning, actually I'll start with the, with the nighttime routine because you're, mornings begin the night before what you do the night before really matters. So the night before I plan out my day because when you are trying to plan your day in the morning, you're not really, you're like kind of half asleep. Then you can just allow yourself to maybe go on your phone. You never know what's going to happen. So the night before I'm like, okay, plan my day. So I don't have to think about it the next day. So I look at what meetings I have and I'm like, okay, well then I have this time to create content. And then after that, I remove my makeup, brush my teeth, do that stuff. And then I try to drink tea instead of wine. Doesn't always happen. And then I try to read a little bit because that gets me sleepy. Sometimes I end up on my phone, so it's not perfect. But the important things that I do is I plan my day and then I pull out whatever workout clothes I'm wearing the next day. Not because it matters. Nobody's going to freaking see me, but just so that the clothes is already there and available. So I don't have to think about it. I can just put it on and work out. So then the next day when I wake up, I usually start off by going to go get a cup of coffee. And when I get my coffee, I journal. So the entire time that I'm drinking that cup of coffee, I have to journal. And I do something called morning pages, which is pretty much like the moment you wake up, you can journal about what you dreamt about, what your golden dreams are, like anything that's on your mind that you want to like gain clear. If you want to have clarity within your day, it's a great way to just spill everything out on paper. It's from a book called The Artist's Way. And she says to write three pages. I do two pages and that's good for me. Sometimes I do one and a half, but in the book, she suggests three because she says like, even if it looks like chicken scratch, or even if it seems like you're going nowhere, you will have good ideas coming out of it. And it's true. I've actually noticed that when I do my morning pages, my, a lot of TikTok ideas come to me. I'll, I'll write about something and I'm like, oh, I should make a, a TikTok about that. And then I write out the script for it then and there. After I do that, I sit down to meditate. And the reason I don't meditate first is because if I meditated, I would just fall right back asleep. So I give myself <laughs> the coffee and the journaling. And then I meditate after I'm done meditating, I work out and then I get ready for the day. So those are the main things that I do, but I ensure that I do them before I have any meetings. And before I look at my phone, that's a big one. Because the moment you start to look at your social media, you just like, oh, I have to respond to this. So and then this happened. Then it's all about where your attention, like where your attention goes, your energy flows. I'm sure you've heard, heard of that, but it's true. Like where you give your attention, your attention is going to keep going there. So if you start to give your phone attention, then you have Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, like all these apps, they want your attention. That's all they want. All the advertisement wants your attention. So if you could give yourself the attention to start off your day, then the rest of your, it just sets a better tone for your day. That sounds like such a beautiful morning routine. And I, I agree. I feel like your morning routine does start the night before because you really want to set it up for success. I usually brain dump, which I think is kind of similar to morning pages. And it definitely has helped me just brain dump all my ideas, all my anxiety. So I definitely need to read that book. What did you say it was called again? The Artist's Way. Okay. 
even if you just look up on on YouTube, like a morning pages video, I haven't even read the book, but I know it's from the book. <laughs> so okay. I don't think you have to read it unless you want to, but I do know it's an older book and she talks about morning pages. And she also talks about taking yourself on dates. So to reconnect with your creativity, which I think is amazing. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe we should read the book. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe we should start a book club. I feel like our, well, my brain definitely gets super cluttered throughout the day. As soon as I open social media, there's so many tabs happening in my brain already. And then it's like, I can't even think for myself because you're being influenced left and right. So that, that time for, you know, so many, so many of the most successful people really schedule time for thinking. So I think that mindfulness definitely plays into that. I'm going to steal a couple tips from your morning routines for sure. Yes, Um, please do. So what advice would you give maybe a student in your program? Maybe they're super multifaceted. They have a lot of ambitions asking for a friend. How do they hone in on their superpower and really find their purpose? Or are you all for finding purposes? Yeah, I think as human beings, we are multifaceted. There's not, there's not one thing that is going to fill your cup. And even if it does for that moment, it won't fill your cup forever. So I think it's really important to find what your strengths are, not what other people's strengths are, but what yours are. Because Albert Einstein has a quote that says, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its entire life thinking that it's stupid because a fish is not meant to climb a tree. So I think it is very important to recognize what it is that that comes easy to you. And it's not always that easy to do that because our strengths are not always super obvious because when something comes easy to you, it just comes easy to you, right? It's easier to identify what comes very difficult. So in this situation, Mm -hmm. I would say, ask your, your community, ask people what you're good at. And more than anything, pay attention to how you feel whenever you're doing certain things. Like we've all had that experience where we're doing either a specific project or working with somebody And then you're like, oh my gosh, like I just feel expansive. I feel joyful. And you really want to search for that stuff. And the reason is business, entrepreneurship, purpose, life, it is all really hard. And if you're doing something that you don't actually care about, you're not going to give it your best and you're more likely to give up. So I don't think you should pick like one thing. I think you'll be amazed to see that all of the different skills that you have will end up leading you to what it is that you're supposed to be doing. And it's going to really take trial and error. So like, for example, I can give you my story. I was like, I have no idea what my purpose is. I was working at this tech job. I was like, I know that I'm pretty good at videos. And I know that I'm like, because I would create the company videos. Mm -hmm. And it was the one thing I enjoyed doing there. And I was like, but I'm also like sociable, but like, I also really like mindfulness and this just doesn't make any sense. And of course, now that you know what I'm doing, you're like, it's so obvious, but at that time it wasn't. So it's not so much like you have to pick between one or the other, but like you'd be surprised to see how well your skill set will complement one another. And it really just comes with trial and error. If I had never started the food blog, I don't know if I would have ended up where I am now because I learned so much about creating content during that food blog. And I I made all the mistakes. I didn't have an ideal customer. I was trying to make everybody happy. My recipes made no sense. Like they were good, but they like, they weren't targeted at a specific audience. So I would say really make a list of what you enjoy doing and do more of that. And I know that that sounds so cliche, do what you love, but like it really will lead you to the right thing. And if you have this idea of like, oh, maybe I want to start like, I don't know, my own like athletic clothing line or something like that, start looking into what that would be like. Do informational interviews with people that are already living that life. And that's what we mean by taking action. Taking action doesn't mean go take out a loan and like, you know, become um, your own athleisure type of brand. It means taking action means like do some research, interview people. Another thing that I recommend that people do is like, if you think you want a specific job, go look at that job description and read like the details. Is that something that you want to be doing? And if so, allow that to be what you're striving for. 
try to get the experience that's on that job application. For the entrepreneur world, I would say, yeah, interview a bunch of different people and you just keep trying things because when you take that first step, and even if it's not the right thing, now you know. I think we get so caught up in this, like we get paralyzed around making decisions because we want to make the quote unquote right one. But there is no right or wrong decision. There's just momentum. And like when you take a decision, when you like you're never taking a step back because growth and purpose and self-discovery, it's not linear. It's like very, you're gonna go up, down, side, mm-hmm. back, you know, you're gonna travel everywhere. So if you can just get yourself to get moving, it will take you further because let's say you go start something tomorrow and you're like, oh, this is not what I want to do. Cool. Guess what? Now we know. Now you don't have to waste any more time thinking about it. Yeah. You brought up a good point of those intersectionalities of like your mindfulness, your tech job and everything else that you're passionate about that's what sets you apart truly. Right. Because there's probably not, I mean, there probably is, but not as much, not the way that you do it, but you also have emphasized a lot throughout this episode that entrepreneurship is hard. And I know from personal experience that you're not always going to wake up motivated um, and you really have to be self-disciplined. So tell us about your experience with that and holding yourself accountable to reach those goals. Community is really important. The people that you surround yourself with really, really matters. And the people, not only that you physically surround yourself with, but I mean, especially after 2020, we have to ensure that we are digitally surrounding ourselves with the right people as well. If somebody makes you feel shitty, you need to unfollow them or mute their mute their posts and mm-hmm. surround yourself with people that are helping you become the person that you want to be. Another thing I would say is I've had to take breaks as well. So you had also asked about mindfulness and like, how do I keep up with that? I actually took a break in February from launching anything because I had three back-to-back launches and it was just so much. And it was good because I was in hustle mode. I was like, okay, we better make this work. I just left my job. But then I got to a place where I was like, wait, I forgot why I was even doing this. And I reread all the books that got me into this in the first place. I allowed myself to take days off. I made myself go on hikes and walks and things like that. Just really revisiting what it was that filled my cup, I think was super, super helpful. So I've held myself accountable by investing in coaches and investing in programs because you have to constantly be learning in order for you to go help others as well. So this thing of growth, like it's, you're not going to get to a place where you know everything. There's always something to learn because the entrepreneur life can be very lonely. So it's important to surround yourself with people who get it because your friends and family may not always get what in the world you're doing. When I tell people what I do, they're like, wait, what? They don't get it. They don't get it at all. They're like, you make TikTok videos. I'm like, well, like that's one source of thing, but (laughs) yeah. Anyways. So I would say there's times when I just don't feel motivated and that's okay. And I just kind of have to make the decision. Some days I'm like, let's power through Erica. We're going to do this. And other days I'm kind of like, you know, let's take the day. Like, let's see how I feel tomorrow. Of course, if it's something that's going to go on like for a week, then I then force myself. But there are times when you just, your body's telling you, I just need a break. Like we're not, we're not here for this right now because you know, like inspiration, it just kind of comes to you sometimes. And like you then become, you get into this creative mode. And when I do that, I optimize on it as much as I can. If I can. Yeah. It's crazy. Our bodies are literally talking to us. We just need to listen sometimes. Yeah. All here for the normalizing the learning, because I feel like we spent so many years trying to pretend we all know it all. And it's it's like back to our beginning, right? That absorbing and having those accountability partners and investing in those coaches is going to get you further. And that's okay to ask for that help because they think it's not said enough, especially for us. Like speaking for, for myself as a woman of color, it's like I, I had to prove to my parents, I got, I got it. I know what I'm doing. I, I belong here and et cetera. So I really appreciate you bringing us full circle. And of course, this wouldn't be, we're getting to our last couple of questions and it wouldn't be a complete interview. If I didn't ask about your TikTok process, I know you don't have to give me all the secrets, but you mentioned a script for TikTok. What are some tips and some things that you think have gotten you where you are today in terms of the TikTok growth? Yeah, I think allowing myself to create when I'm feeling inspired 
is definitely a big one. Most of my videos that have gone viral, they weren't even planned, actually. It was just something I did, like, in the moment. So allowing myself to be authentic on there has been really, really helpful, as well as understanding how the app works. Because Instagram is about follows, likes, comments, shares, that stuff. TikTok is all about how long did somebody watch your video? So I think the biggest thing that led to my success is that I understood pretty early on that it was necessary to have a hook. People decide within the first three seconds if they're going to watch your video. Probably not even three seconds. It's probably like one or two seconds. And if you don't have their attention from the beginning, you've already lost them. Even if you say something amazing at the end, who cares if they didn't stay for it? Yeah. So that, and the, the reason that TikTok is different than Instagram is because people go on and they're on their for you page. They're not on their follower feed. Mm-hmm. They're normally looking at this feed and it's, so it's constantly new content and new creators, which is great for a creator because it means that you are getting visibility to all of these people, not just the people that are already following you. So TikTok is all about content discovery. And when you think about that for you page, there's some good videos on there. So you're kind of competing with other videos to, for people's attention. Again, it goes back to this thing about attention. What what are you giving your attention to? And our attention is probably like the biggest asset that we have. What, What it is that we, because like time, I mean, sorry, money, we can always make more money, right? But like, we can't make more time and where we spend our attention, whether that's like our thoughts, our focus, our social media time, like when we actually, what it is that we're paying attention to, that's what really matters. So when you are trying to grab people's attention, what are you going to do with that time? What are you going to do with their attention? So when I really think about what I have done on TikTok at the core, I think it's that. It's that I've really tried to grab the attention of the people that I think need to hear it. And I always try to bring value because everybody cares about themselves. So a lot of times people are concerned about going to go create content because like, oh my gosh, what are people going to say? Well, unless your video went viral and like there's somebody that just wants to hate, chances are you're not really going to get mean comments because people are more worried about themselves than they are about you or myself. So when you're creating content, if you're creating content that's like more selfish, it probably won't do that well. But if you are thinking what is in it for the people that are watching it, it's going to do well. This is why the recipe videos do so well. This is why your nightstand one did so well. I'm assuming it was informative. Were you teaching people? Yeah. How to kind of style their nightstand. Yeah, exactly. And like, So when you're creating content, ask yourself, okay, is this something that somebody would want to share with a friend? And is this something people would care about? Mm -hmm. Is this valuable to them? Yeah, that's so good. So much knowledge. Everybody go buy her TikTok course because obviously she knows what she's talking about. So last question, what is one thing that I think the most, maybe we already mentioned it, but the most important thing that you think you would tell your younger self I would say live in the moment because I spent so much time worrying about the future. I spent so much time worrying about what my major was going to be, what school I was going to go to, what my career was going to look like. And I was so focused on the next thing that I couldn't ever really enjoy where I was in that moment. And I think that's true for a lot of people. We're so focused on where we want to be or where we think we should be that we don't even stop to recognize the now. And I think 2020 really put things into perspective with what matters is our health, our family. Like those are the things that actually matter. And whenever the pandemic was really at its height, who the hell cares about like specific degrees or like getting promotions? We were all literally just worried about, are we going to survive this? What's going to happen? So I would tell my younger self, like, can you enjoy enjoy the now instead of worrying about the future? Your life literally turn upside down tomorrow and you have so much power to curate your life. So that is a great note to leave it on. Thank you so much, Erica. I would love for you to shamelessly plug away where we can find you, how we can support you and follow along your journey. Yes. So TikTok is probably the funnest place to follow me because you get just bite-sized little pieces of 
of wisdom. And um, I try to do like some comedy stuff on the Purpose Driven Latina page. So I have at the Erica Cruz, that's my main page. And then I have at Purpose Driven Latina, which is for the group coaching program. But I try to create content on there that is relevant to women of color, to first gen. And that is the same username, both on TikTok as well as Instagram. And then my website is theericacruz.com. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I know my listeners are going to enjoy this conversation. You dropped so much knowledge and I am so lucky that we crossed paths and I'm lucky to know you. So I hope you have a great rest of your week. And yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. This was such a fun conversation. I agree. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Grow With The Flow podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe for your bi-weekly dose of motivation and inspiration, highlighting successful women of color living a successful, unapologetic life, both professionally and personally. Don't forget to leave a review, share the episode with a friend, or if you can't wait until the next episode, catch up with me on Instagram at Grow With The Flow Podcast or at Itzy Canales. 